Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven, and across from me is my dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, you are looking fantastic today. How do you know, Paul? Well, I can sense it. I can hear, I can hear the contours of your face through the, through the interwebs. The interwebs? Yeah, the interwebs, baby. I've never it's, heard that. Never heard that term before. It's 1998 and the future is ahead of us. Mm, love it. Yep. Uh, listen, Dad, last week a listener actually popped past me in the street and uh she was great she as, as i told you guys on the show she she walked past pulled her headphones out and said oh it's paul from loose units and i was so chuffed the thing she did that was interesting is she hopped on the facebook page and she posted something absolutely insane and i wanted to read this to you because it is actually related to the funeral industry are you up for this i'm up for it okay great so uh she said i had a very meta her name's mayo asahi so i had a very meta moment this morning I set out to walk my dog on this wet Melbourne morning with Loose Units Podcast as my companion. As I turned the corner in front of me was the man whose voice I was listening to, Paul. So this prompted me to post this, which I've been sitting on for a while. In What's in the Box, which apparently we released on the 29th of the 9th, uh, 1920, John told the story of a young man who was killed in the war in Europe. His remains were cremated, but not in powdery ash form. John thought it was sort of a hack job done overseas. Dad, this is, of course... Uh, one of the stories from Electric Blue, mm, and mm. that's the yeah the story involving the guy whose remains were sent across, and you know there were still bones, and mm. it was so you thought it was done with a blowtorch or something. Oh yeah, blowtorch yeah. and a hammer. Now she directed us towards a Wikipedia entry for uh, the process of cremation in Japan. Now I don't know if this is the process of cremation in Japan, but I'm going to read this to you, and I hope you don't know what this is. Okay. Mm. All right. And this is literally just from Wikipedia. Uh, this is the J- Japanese funeral entry on Wikipedia, and this is under cremation. By the mm. way, if I'm speaking very fast today, I've had so much coffee, I'm hovering right now. Here we go. The coffin is placed on a tray in the crematorium. The family witnesses the sliding of the body into the cremation chamber. The cremation usually takes about two hours, and the family returns at a scheduled time when the cremation has been completed. Does that sound pretty normal so far, Dad? <clears throat> Although the time has already... Set an alarm bell off. Why? Is that not long a enough? long time. Oh, okay, okay. Which would indicate not so high a temperature as is used in Australia. Okay, so it's a lower temperature for a longer time. Hmm. Um, 
Which sounds like we're talking about cooking. Anyway, here we go. This is where it gets weird. The relatives pick the bones out of the ashes and transfer them to the urn using large chopsticks or metal chopsticks. Two relatives holding the same bone at the same time with their chopsticks. <laughs> In other customs, they pass the bones from chopsticks to chopsticks. Known as kotswage. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. This is the only time in Japan when it is proper for two people to hold the same item at the same time with chopsticks. Whoa. At all other times, holding anything with chopsticks by two people at the same time or passing an item from chopsticks to chopsticks is considered to be a major social faux pas, as this will remind bystanders about a funeral. Right. Oh, shit. So if you were at a ramen joint and I say to Tegan, hey, I've got some, uh, I've got some, uh, like, you know, the, the ramen egg, you know, they have that half egg and mm. I'm holding it in my chopsticks and I mm. hold it out to her and then she touches it with her chopsticks. Mm. Then to a Japanese person, that's they might going think to... It's, they might think it's an eyeball. Well, it's going to, ev- <laughs> it's going to evoke a funeral, right? Mm, fascinating. Okay. The bones of the feet are picked up first and the bones of the head are picked up last. This is to ensure that the deceased is not upside down in the urn. Oh my God. It's I mean, fascinating. It, make, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Oh, my God. Okay. It makes perfect sense. The nodobotoke, uh, literally throat Buddha, which is a bone located in the neck, the second cervical vertebra, is the most significant bone to be placed in the urn. The word nodobotoke in a living person, however, refers to the visible Adam's apple, which is a different organ. In some cases, the ashes may be divided among more than one urn. For example, some ashes go to a family grave, and some go to a temple, or even to a company grave, or to a space burial. I'm assuming outer space is what they're referring to there. Depending upon the local custom, the urn may stay at the family home for a period, or may be taken directly to the graveyard. Uh, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I actually really quite like it there's something quite intimate but i think if we were at your funeral first of all you need to be very good with chopsticks because if you Mm. drop that right yeah yeah there'd be a lot of dropping now here's the thing metal chopsticks don't have much friction right they're quite i mean it'd be tricky to find purchase on something you know yes but may i just say this paul yep it's it's weird again that i do notice the small things and that is Mm. that i have seen recently some steel chopsticks yeah. With striations in the ends to, to give you purchase. On I mean on food or bones? Food. Now it says large metal chopsticks. I I should probably try and find some photos. Mm. I want to see if Mayo actually posted yes, okay. She's posted a photo uh, of one of these things. The urn is quite big. Now I'm now gonna do that frustrating thing, Dad, where I have to describe mm. A photograph, but imagine a long kind of stone gurney, right? Mm, uh, mm. And it's covered in the kind of ash and bones, but over the top of it is sort of a metal tray that's elevated above it. And on that tray, like up and away from the ash and the bone, mm, is mm. what looks like. Remember, you, oh shit, during the antique business, you had a massive porcelain Japanese jug that Incredible. was Incredible, massive. Yes. I'm still mad that we don't own that anymore. Mm, mm. But this thing is probably half that size. It's quite similar. It's got a very big lid. And the chopsticks, when I say oversized, I mean, imagine regular chopsticks, but twice as long. Or are you sure it's not a photograph of a very, very tiny Japanese person with normal sized chopsticks that make them look big? (laughs) Children. (laughs) Or people that are height challenged. Okay. Yeah. 
possibly That's or possible. someone someone's yeah okay and also okay. paul you've, you've described something that is very interesting insofar as that layered situation it's yeah. a little bit like when a pizza is served to you sometimes they come on an elevated stand Yes, I was in New York once and we got brought a very, very good pizza that was probably a foot above the table. Mm. Um, and that way you can you can sort of bend down and, and, and talk to your the person opposite from underneath the pizza. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo here and there's literally children uh, doing this. And let me say, the girl actually putting the bone into the, into the little container, she does not look happy. No. I mean, she looks... I think it's kind- something that a child perhaps may have been... Coerced into. You think she was kind of cajoled. Mm. And Paul, you know, on this topic, if mm. you can, I mean, you have the luxury of actually seeing the, the bone pieces. Yes. But that again indicates to me that they haven't gone through the secondary process that we do here where they actually grind the bones into a sandy type substance. Can I just say, I, and this might sound crazy, I kind of prefer this method of cremation. Uh, it seems like there's something sort of deeply respectful and intimate about it in a way. I mean, it, w- it would scar me for life, mm. but but can you imagine? I don't like it at all. Really? Can you <clears throat> when I t- look at cremated remains, I don't want to see bits of, of recognisable bones mm-hmm. from the person that I once knew. Like imagine if you had kissed that person and then you reach over with your your big chopsticks or a spoon because it's yeah. easier yeah. and um i'd probably use a soup spoon uh not a dessert spoon i don't think that's and up to you, you but yeah. no and then you look down and you see their teeth that's, right that's, that's offensive do you know well i mean this me. is like a this is a taboo i mean i find it interesting that maybe do you not think it maybe demystifies and therefore robs some of this takes some of the sadness out of it if you are I think you know, it, it creates fodder for people's fertile imaginations. <clears throat> Do you remember that game called Jacks, where you buy those? You know, there's that part of the lamb that is like a knuckle. Oh, it's oh, it's, something. It's, I think call- it's called Knuckles or Jacks or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, imagine if you just did that with bits of bone, like a kid's game. Are you suggesting that halfway up the line, as you're being passed, you know, Great Uncle Frank's bones? You could use your vertebrae, their vertebrae, as and and just use it. Uh, in a game of jacks. Wouldn't the vertebrae go pretty quickly in a cremation? It depends on the state of the... You'd think so. They'd, you'd think they'd become fairly powdery. Um, I guess we'd need an expert to talk about that. Sure. Um, Aren't you an expert? Look, I'm, I know a fair bit about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> or, you know... Yeah, no. I, I just... <laughs> I mean, I can I can hypothesise. Yeah. Um and talk about the various, but I've I've seen lots of skeletons, and I've actually I've been to plenty of um, fires, probably way too many for for most people, mm-hmm. where people have uh, set themselves on fire, um, or people have set them on fire. And the problem about being set on fire, there are obviously numerous problems, but one of the the big problems about fire, if you're on fire, um. And you, then you start to run because you start to freak out, obviously. Yeah. You well, are just fanning the flames. That's literally... Now, fanning the flames, is that because you mentioned oxygen? You know, yeah. you've mentioned... So, yeah. you are exposing the flame to more... Correct. Fe- feeding the fire. Well, right, Paul, basically. look at a blacksmith. I mean, don't necessarily go out and look at a blacksmith. Well, I mean, there's it, none in the area. I mean, no, you can't... 
But if there were, one thing you would see at a Smith Smithies, I love just saying Smithies shop. Is a, is a bellows. It's the bellows, fixed... correct. Yep. Love it. And, and have you ever seen the size of bellows in a Smithies shop? Yeah, but sometimes I think they're compensating. They're, they're massive. They are gargantuan. In fact, I've seen bellows that would not fit in our kitchen. Right. So we're talking massive. And what does that do? I mean, you know, uh, on these survival shows, when they, they try and get that, that first spark... And then they blow on it. You know, puffs of air. May I commend, speaking of this, may I commend to all our listeners a really good show that is currently on, I believe, the SBS streaming app. It's called Alone. And, Dad, I think I've tried to pitch you on this show. And I've I would seen actually, it. I love I'd it. Like to, I'd like to see you on this show. Mm. But the basic premise is they take, I believe, 12 survivalists with actual, you know, they, they know how to survive in the wilderness and they drop them at kind of equidistant uh, distances from each other like four miles from each other in the middle of, you know, the Canadian wilderness or, mm. Mm. you know, and, and essentially the idea is you have 10 items with you uh, within a certain kind of list of prescribed items and you have to survive as long as you can. The, you set up motion cameras so you, you are your own cameraman and then it just sort of, they just have to live in the wilderness and one of the things they always run up against is starting a fire will dictate whether they stay two days or two months mm. and... Uh, I think what's interesting is the ones who survive the longest are the ones who build things like bellows or like, you know, functional kind of plumbing. And there's mm. all these little gadgets they make. Mm. And I think sometimes there is Can- something very primitive about that yeah. that kind of works. Yeah. Can I say yeah. something really silly and very sort of base, if I may use that, that word? Yeah. But... and. You and the listeners may laugh at what I'm about to say, but I once went whitewater rafting with a um, a group of police officers. Uh-huh. Uh, we did a five-day whitewater trip. Hang on. We, were you on the force at this point? Yeah, we were all in the police force. So, who... Okay, so uh, from the book... Oh, lots of characters in the book and also a lot of characters that weren't in the book. Can you name a few? Well, there was Julian and Dave... Do we use Dave's name in the book? Uh, anyway, he knows. He's a he's cool. Dave, yes. great guy. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of others. But we had a lot of competitions because um, it was full on. That We were the last boat to get down the river. It was, it was at the end of winter. It was so mm. cold. It was just yeah. insane. Yeah. And we, we had these, these amazing, not amazing, but it's, I don't want to sort of sound too blokey here, but, you know, we had, we had um, competitions. Do you want me to tell you a few of them? Uh, well, will they endear you to the listeners or will no, they... No, they'll think I'm mad, but I'm just stating things as they were. And it was sure. wonderful. It was a great, great trip. Okay. It was really exciting. But one of the things we used to do is you would insert a 20 cent coin into your bottom cheeks and then you'd walk, you had to go <laughs> over an obstacle course. Yeah. And then at the end, you had to drop the coin, but you can't really see. You had to kind of guess. Then you had to unclench your cheeks yeah. and the coin would fall... Into a cup. That's one of the uh, things we used to. <laughs> That's one of the things we used to do. It was so funny. Um, hang on, hang on. So, first of all, the implication that the the coin would fall out. You didn't. Meant? You didn't insert it all the way up inside. It was just you, kind of pants or no pants. Were you wearing pants? Oh no, you're in the nude. You're in the nude. <laughs> oh shit! I'm you need nude. to lead with that. Oh sorry. But look, it's just weird, isn't it? We may have been wearing T-shirts. 
I mean, you can't just, Paul, you can't just put a 20 cent coin into your, <laughs> into your bottom. It depends, look, it depends on what you, what pants you're wearing. You're wearing. No, well, you can't wear, no, you can't because then, then the, the coin, it'd, it'd either go to the left or right as it fell down either sort of leg thing. Yeah, but if you're, if you're sweaty, that thing's going to just like. There's no sweating, hit- no sweating. It's, it's, it's basically freezing. And we're next to a river that's that's getting bigger and bigger by the hour. Yep. It was actually really, really full on. But the other thing, back to lighting fires that we also used to, and this is going to—you may cut this out of the podcast, Paul, because it's fairly kind of weird. But but I guess you had to appreciate that we were. Let me think. Maybe eight police officers. And um, how old were you at this point? Twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three, twenty-four. Yeah. Old old enough to know better. <clears throat> but we used to have farting contests. But not, oh, lighting but your light own farts. Them. Yeah, but I was yeah, going to yeah. say, coming back to survival, mm. there is a technique to enhance the possibility of creating a better flame. You what agree? Is that? Yeah, well, what is that? What is what? What's the technique? To light your fart and use that to ignite your little fire. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said there were techniques for getting a more combustible fart. No, well, that's that's a dietary issue. What do you think you have to eat to really get a good? Well, I think on? I think the baked beans things is just bollocks. I think it's ridiculous. Let me just Google what to. No, eat I'd say cabbage. Light farts because it's got to be the sulfur. The metal sulfur. Mm. Fucking vulcan. Fart lighting. Oh, it's in Wikipedia. Fart lighting, also known as pyroflatulence, flatus ignition, or fire breathing dragon. And then it says citation needed because clearly. Oh my god, there's footage in here. Is the practice of lighting the gases produced by human flatulence, often providing a flame of blue, hence the blue. act of being known colloquially as a blue angel or a blue dart. No, I've seen some massive. On on that trip, there was some that really, like, really major. Like, And it's not uncommon to burn your pubic hair. Uh, well, it's got the gas production. Here we go. Some of the gases that cause flatulence, such as methane and hydrogen, are, co- are produced by bacteria which live in symbiosis within the large intestines of humans and other mammals. The gases are created as a byproduct of the bacteria's digestion of food into relatively simpler substances. The oxygen and nitrogen component of flatus can be accounted for by air. If it's going into the kind of the odor associated with farts is due to hydrogen sulfide. Scatol, indol, volatile oh. amines, and yeah. short-chain fatty acids as produced by the bacteria. It I sounds, love how... Sounds yeah, technical. It's literally got the... It's got the... Comp- <laughs> Someone's put the fucking chemical composition of farts. Mm. And I'm guessing what you would want is... I mean, I, yeah, your question of... You said it was cabbage, right? What, oh, here we go. Quora, what kind of food do I have to eat to make my farts flammable? A Russian guy got on and said you should probably eat kerosene. I mean, something about Russia makes me think he's actually done that. Mm, that's weird. But and I, once saw, I once saw a guy light a fart. We were in a tent and it was very dark and it did. It lit the whole place up. It was horrifying. Mm, yeah. yeah. How did we get onto this, Paul? I don't even know. Uh, okay, so survival, let's backtrack. Survival. The, the Bible? Survival. <laughs> okay. Jeez. All right. So, I mean, the, the kind of stuff you eat when you are in the wilderness is probably not the kind of stuff that's going to produce farts because you're not really getting that many, you know, um, you're not getting that many carbohydrates. You're not, you know, you're kind of living off, mm. you know, you need yeah. rich food to create farts True. and you're not True. getting rich food. So. <clears throat> True. Um, <clears throat> now, Paul, mm. can I tell you and the listeners um, a, a tiny little story? I would love that. Yes. So, <clears throat> we live in Sydney um, I picked up a very large and quite valuable painting a few nights ago. Okay. And it is actually 
I'll, it's so beautiful, this painting. It's, it, and it took up most of the back of the ute. And it was under the tonneau cover. And I came home and it was dark. And I turned into our street. This is only two nights ago. And there was a car about 50 metres down that was clearly... It looked as though it was coming out of our driveway. And I patiently waited. And I kept waiting. And Christine had dinner prepared because she knew it precisely what time because I've been in touch with her to say what time I would be home yep and I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and you know how you get this sense that something's not quite right but I couldn't see now I could have been really uncool and flashed my lights and maybe even tooted there are plenty of people out there that would have really got the shits But something just told me to just hang back. So I'm kind of waiting for about, well, way, way longer than a minute. And the car wasn't moving. And then I saw this person get out of the car. Mm -hmm. And then they walked behind their car. Then I couldn't see them for all the other parked cars. I called Christine. And I said, Christine, I'm stuck at the top of the street. Can you please go out on to our balcony and you will see there's something's going on. So Christine goes out onto the balcony. She keeps in communication with me. So I can hear her actually opening the door, walking out onto the balcony, and she's having a conversation with a person, trying to find out what is going on. Christine then says to me that this poor girl or lady, she's come out of our driveway and she has completely wedged the side of her car with another car that was parked and the two cars are stuck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So I, I mean, I'm sort of thinking this is a little bit surreal. And I knew that I had a very valuable painting in the back of the ute. Mm -hmm. So I regarded this situation as a kind of emergency because clearly uh, something needed to be done. Um, So I parked my car um, in a disabled spot. That was the only spot and it was quite an important and the timing was fairly important she was blocking the entire street Um, I didn't know at this stage exactly what had happened I parked my car knowing I've got this painting in the back of the ute it's night time and I left the ute I came down the street and there was this um, I don't want to sort of sound um, I'm just going to use the word I thought it was I'm going to describe her as this poor lady um, and she was so distressed, and she was trying. She, I'd been watching her. I didn't fully understand what was happening, but she was trying to figure out how to separate her car from this parked car. And I looked at the situation, and she'd basically ground the side of her car into this car, and it was just, it was ratchet. And she was starting to freak out, and she was trembling. She was really distressed. Now, she actually was about 35 years of age uh-huh. and I needed to reassure her and I could see very clearly that there was a way to get her car off the other car and she'd just been going about it because of panic when you go into a panic you just can't think straight but when someone comes along and sees things with clarity and I said to her look this is what I'm going to do I'm going to get in into your car and I want you to stand back Now, when I got into the car, her driver's seat was so far forward and the car was just weird. And I tried to reach underneath to move the seat back, but the lever was broken. Oh. And I felt like a large clown in a tiny car. My face was almost pressed up against the windscreen. My chest was touching the steering wheel. But I realised that this was a situation where all of that had to be put aside. I had to separate the cars. So I turned the steering wheel fully to the left until it wouldn't go any further. And then I slowly started to reverse. And the screech of metal as the two cars were sort of scraping and scraping. But ultimately, I separated the two cars. I then composed myself i then had to drive down to the end of the cul-de-sac did a sort of a 10 point turn in this weird clown's car and i came back up the hill i wound the window down and said to her hop in the car i said and i told her i'd been a police officer because i needed to let her know that she could trust me christine was standing on the balcony probably 10 feet away from where this is happening that's yeah. how close it was to our place. Yeah. And this poor lady, she gets in the car and I could... She was literally shaking. And the the story is that she 
And I felt this is a little bit of a sad part of the story because Christine later said to me that the girl was on her pee plates. So she's someone in their mid-30s that obviously has just got their pee plates. Someone that's decided in life to get them quite late because most pee platers are 17. And she'd borrowed the car. And she was returning the car to someone in our street. She was so upset and she was in shock. So I have got the valuable painting in the ute in a dark street parked in a handicap zone. I couldn't turn this stupid alarm off in her car that was not her car. And we're driving around and I said to her, I am going to find a parking spot for you she's returning the car to a local person. Mm-hmm. We drove around the area in this clown's car. I must have looked like a weirdo. And we kept driving around. We drove around for 10 minutes. We could not find a parking spot. Eventually, we came all the way back to where the accident had occurred. And there standing was the gentleman owner of the car. So I've pulled up in his car. She gets out of the, p- the passenger seat. And I just said, look... This is the situation, um, you know, you've clearly, it's your car's been damaged. The girl felt so bad. He was pretty nice about it. Okay. And then I said, look, there's a car down the road that you need to go and look at because it's, 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 it's damaged and you need to somehow or other notify the person, the owner of that car by way of a note on the windscreen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just a... And then I got my car and then... Um, came and parked in our place but that was a kind of a weird little event so this area is um a little bit of, well you, that cul-de-sac is very difficult but i guess what i'm curious about is who's liable there because he's clearly lent his car to a p-plater she's done the damage is, is his insurance going to cover that golly that's a very good question um i just hope that he's insured and yeah. he's insured for other drivers the fact she's on a p's and she's yeah. borrowed the car um that's I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out, but it's uh. it's a bit of a kind of a sad story, and it's really really that type of thing can really have an, an impact on your on your desire to continue driving. Yeah, because you know she's she's clearly um, you know very inexperienced, and and it's a really it was just a sad thing, and you know I I kind of I, I don't know what she was thinking as she's being driven around the dark streets of our suburb with, with a complete stranger. And you know what I'm like. I know I'm a bit kind of over the top and I was prattling on about... I'm sure I mentioned loose units, um, as I do. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I do, because it's sort of an automatic thing. So that was um, that was a, a little event in our street that I thought I'd share with you and the listeners. Hey, look, I think that's really interesting. Also, it's weird how often... It's probably odd how often people in the emergency services get roped into those situations because, I mean, you know in the movies where you're on a plane and someone collapses and they ask for a doctor? Mm. I mean, no one ever goes, hey, is anyone here a police officer? Because there are certain... Like, a police officer has become this weird Swiss army knife of all different professions, right? I Mm. mean, Mm. I think there are certain things that should actually be farmed out to, you know, social Mm. workers or Mm. whatever. Mm. But But if you're um, a cop, you know... But Christine and I, we, we were on an international flight once and I, um, I, I got involved in the uh, resuscitation of a person on a plane. What? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That was full on because it happened right oh. in front of us. When and, was, um, do, you want to, do you want to save this for another episode? I mean, this sounds pretty big. No, it was pretty big. Um, 
Yeah, that was pretty intense. So I've been involved in a few because um, things happen on planes all the time. Yeah. Um, but they do have a manifest and they, they generally know that if you're a doctor, they'll, they can come and approach you. But, mm. you know, um, I've had my fair share of, um, you know, resuscitation and this was a, a major um, major incident on an international flight. And, do you uh, want to talk us through the, like, what actually happened? First of yeah. all, when was, when was this? Oh, look, it would have been probably, I guess, maybe 15 years ago and it was a night flight and... Um, it was clear that this person was going into cardiac arrest and um, I was the closest person. And I dragged them out of their seat, got them onto the floor and, um, you know, started... Um, let, let let the staff, the crew know that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And then I needed someone else to assist me in uh, in CPR. And, and the husband, he, was, he had to be re- restrained because he was completely... Um, well, he was, he was really, really obviously distressed watching his uh his wife um having a you know how old was this was this woman she was in her 60s and um so old enough for it to be potentially fatal oh definitely and and and, you know it's a really big thing on a plane because um are they going to continue to the destination uh or are they going to turn back uh we were flying from memory to bangkok Mm -hmm. um and it was a Thai Airways flight. Yep. Um, but it, but it, but it was a very very good result insofar as because um, they've got access. You know that they can call. There's a there's a, a group within you know planes that have an emergency. They can call through like a hotline, and and there's this. They've got a lot of stuff on board. Right. Really good stuff. Um, of course, you know some people do do die on flights. And they've got a special place for them on the plane. Whoa, really? Yeah. Uh, well, God, yeah. They don't just what? strap them in their seat. And um, can you hear that beautiful sound in the background? Is that a fucking? That's is that my a... that's my French clock. That's beautiful. It is such a beautiful clock. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, they they have places on on planes to stow people that have deceased. I mean, that's that's. But you know, look. Let's be fa- let's let's get real. If you're sitting in a plane and someone next to you dies, mm. I mean, they're not going to leave that person dead next to you for the entire flight. Can you imagine like ordering drinks and and breakfast and you're eating and the person next to you is deceased? Like they don't just throw a blanket over them. It's, I mean, it's pretty creepy, isn't it? Um, in fact, I'd like to know where on the plane <clears throat> they take them. Can um, I make a? Make a guess. Yep. So, I think potentially it might be where they have the staff sleep. If I you recall, think you might be right, Paul. Yeah, you know they've got so below. Mm. Basically, so what? So somewhere beneath you, as you sleep or watch Paddington Two for the twentieth time, as you eat your little free wee spa, there could be dead bodies. Not only that, Paul and listeners, mm-hmm. every single person that dies overseas, that comes back in a coffin, yep. of which there would be, I imagine, thousands a year, yeah. are in that plane, obviously. And um, you just don't know about it. And nor wouldn't do you it, even probably think about it. Wouldn't it be worth potentially, because I know that in the kind of freight, you know, in like, um, isn't there a sort of a cargo luggage area are, where, yeah. where it's cold? Oh, definitely freezing. Like so minus you- 50 but you want you surely you want the body there, so it's you know agreed preserved. But, but I, yeah, that's a good point. But you know you've got things like rigor mortis that sets in. 
But if you die um, on a flight, I mean, look, it's so interesting because if you're an Australian citizen flying to, say, London, Mm -hmm. you arrive in London deceased, uh, who does the post-mortem? Is it done in London or do they fly you back? Now, I know, generally speaking, to fly, if you're dead, um, what happens is, well, generally speaking, you've got to be embalmed. Being dead and flying is probably the only circumstances under which I would fly Tiger, by the way. I don't think they're going to uh, be sponsoring Spon- our Sponsor- our podcast <laughs> after that, Paul. No, look, okay, I'm really curious now as to, let's say, I'm also curious as to the logistics of um, shipping kind of, because remember that story where the box of, human remains were shipped across and there were bones Mm. and stuff in there. Mm. Mm. Uh, The Japanese method also implies that it's a lot cleaner, I guess. I'm just curious as to how how you kind of package and ship. I guess you'd carry the urn with you, wouldn't you? If you were a relative, you'd carry the urn, okay. And if you were really wealthy, Mm. you'd get a seat for it. And that might sound a little bit odd, but here's a fun fact for you and everyone. Yeah. Some musicians pay for their instrument to be in a seat next to them. And that's a fact. I mean, not a tuba or a sousaphone. No. Look up. But if you get a set of drums, you know, you're always getting kick drummed in the back of the seat if it's sitting yeah. behind you. Yeah. But, um, you know, if it was, if you were a timpani player... Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, they're not going to be on the seat next to you. But if you're, if it's a violin, Stradivarius mm. or... or or even perhaps, I, I dare say, perhaps even a cello. Mm. Um, in fact, a cello from behind would look like a person with just a really thin, narrow head. Sure, and no legs. Um, actually, Yo-Yo Ma, when he was on the set of The West Wing, he was on a couple of episodes, I believe. I know he was in at least one. And he actually let people touch his cello because he wanted to demystify it. He basically said, look, it's not this kind of arcane thing. It's important. Are you sure cello is not code for something else? Oh, you think you think oh, Nobby? <laughs> you think Yo-Yo Ma? Dad, show some respect. Sorry, uh, no, that's okay. I mean, again, the whole thing is it's an instrument, right? The actual art comes from the 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 you know the artist. It comes from Yo-Yo Ma. Now, mm. yeah, yeah, I don't know how we got here, but I'm glad we did. It's been an absolutely this. Dad, can I be honest? This is one of my favorite episodes of Loose Ends. I've really enjoyed. Oh, this. I love Loose Ends. I absolutely love it. And I wanted there's something else. Have we got a a minute, just you know, I'm doing the big reunion. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit excited about it, and I just wanted to share with you and, and everyone mm-hmm. a tiny. I'm, I'm lying in bed this morning, and I, I was thinking about all the people in my class, and there was a guy in our class, class one seven one in yep. F troop. Yep. He was very, very tall. He was Dutch. He was a, he was a rugged, handsome, good style of a bloke. Uh, very quiet. He was 19 years of age, Whoa. which is the youngest you could be to, to get into the New South Wales Police Force. Maybe 18. He was whatever he was. Actually, God, it may have even been younger because I remember in our driving, in our class, there was a girl on her L's. Mm-hmm. On her L's. And we had to wait till she got a P's. That's crazy. Which is weird. Um, but he was, he was just a really nice bloke. Aside from the fact that he was Dutch, which, you know, he's a, a feather in his cap. Um, Clog. I met him many, many years later. And what I'm about to say, and I'm putting it out there, and, <clears throat> and there's not a drama of me talking about it, so just just go with it. 
I'm in the city one day and Paul, do you remember we used to take your kids to Barbecue King? Vividly, yes. And what a great restaurant down Amazing. in Chinatown. Yep. Now, next door to that was what was called the Sydney Book Exchange. It was a red building on a corner mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty well um, a landmark in Sydney. And it was, and I'm putting this quite gingerly. Adult was, bookshop, yes. It was an adult bookshop. Mm. And I had never, ever been in there. Um, and one one day, I meet the guy from my class. And he had incredibly long hair. I'm talking, he looked like a hippie uh, in a good way. He looked super cool. He was yep. dressed. He was really, really just, he was just, and I recognized him and he recognized me. And he, we're chatting away and he told me that he was the owner of the Sydney Book Exchange. He owned that establishment. An and he said, he took me upstairs. Yeah. And I got to see all all the stuff. And he said to me that he made so much money in that business. And he was he was as happy as happy as one could be. And I just it was such a, a fascinating contrast between that young, dare I say it, naive, as we all were, gentle giant basically, and he, he was still really gentle, really lovely Super cool. Yeah. But isn't it interesting in life how things just change? One of the guys that's coming to the reunion owns a major hotel in Sydney. He owns it. Crazy. And I'm just thinking it's so fascinating. So it's going to be exciting finding out what everyone's gone on to do. Well, you get to rock up and go, why? My son wrote some books about me and we do a podcast and, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder how many people there are going to read the book and go, oh, shit, I'm in this. I mean, that must be weird. Mm, weird, 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 weird. Anyway. Well, look, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this really enjoyable uh, episode of Loose Ends. Have a wonderful weekend and do not forget to tune in on Tuesday morning for a new episode of Loose Units. We'll see you then. Bye. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.